Welcome to a Memorial Day edition of Equip for Life with Pastor Christopher Brooks. We appreciate you being with us on today, and we believe that we have a message that will impact your life as well as honor those men and women who have given their lives for our freedoms in our country. See, today's message kind of goes hand in hand with what we're celebrating on today, because just like those men and women who have been in the armed forces, who have risked their lives for our freedom, we too, as soldiers of Jesus Christ, soldiers in the army of the Lord, should be prepared to lay down our lives for the uniqueness of Jesus Christ and for the proclamation of the gospel. In fact, the importance of today's message is to train and equip you on how to defend your faith when it's under attack. To answer the questions of critics and skeptics that may ask you why you believe what you believe. And it's important that we as Christians have more than just emotion to back up the claims of our faith. Now let's go into the sanctuary of Evangel for the conclusion of this critical message, Defending the Uniqueness of Christ. Now, the question that some will wrestle with is, is the Bible just fantasy like any other uh, tale or any other story, any other movie? Is it Should this be viewed as the same as Harry, Harry Potter or is this uh, some type of historical writing? I submit to you that the Gospels are historical books. They have all the markings of a historical book. Let me tell you some of the things that they put down to show you that it's historical. Number one, the thing that I love is they write out detailed information about the events, the world events that surrounded Jesus' life. So they'll tell you who the Roman rulers were. They'll tell you what censuses took place during that time. They'll go even further to tell you what city he was born in, what cities he's traveled in. They give you dates. They give you times. They give you locations. They give you names of real historical people that have been uh, uh, testified to have lived during that time. Why did they go through such great lengths? They even bore you sometimes. Anybody ever been reading the Gospel of Matthew or Luke and run across the genealogy in those? Anybody ever get bored with he begat him and, and he begat him and, and he begat him? Come on, tell the truth. You skipped that portion, didn't you? Let me say, I'll get back to that. I, I can't even pronounce those names. <laughs> Shame on you. That's in the Bible for a reason. Now, why would you give somebody's ancestry if it was a mythological character? It was almost as if the gospel writers were saying, here's his family tree. Go down to the county clerk's office. Check the record. Jesus really did live. And we need to be confident of this. Amen? Now, some who argue... We'll take the, the argument even further. If you're going up against or talking to somebody who seems to be a little bit more informed, they'll try to argue, well, uh, only, the only people or historical documents we got about Jesus are from his supporters. The only ones who wrote about Jesus are those who were his followers or who believed in him. Well, I don't see how that makes a lick of difference. Either it's historical, historically reliable or it's not. But even if, if, if somebody argues that beyond that point, it's just not a true fact. The fact is, is that there are well over close, close to a dozen anti-Jesus historians who wrote about him. Again, indulge me for a moment. I'm just going to bore you a little bit. How many enjoy stuff like this? I'm going to bore you just a little bit more. And I want to talk about the anti-Jesus records of him in history. The first was what's known as the Babylonian 
Talmud. Talmud is spelled T-A-L-M-U-D. Now, what is Talmud? Talmud are rabbinical writings, uh, writings by Jewish leaders or rabbis about the, the religious practice and the faith and tradition of the Jewish people. Now, during his days, rabbis wrote in this Talmud. Now, who were alive? Who were the religious leaders during Jesus' day? People who wanted to see him crucified. It was these very religious leaders who stirred up the crowd and the masses to cry out, crucify him, crucify him, give us Barabbas. Now, these uh, are surly characters, if you will, will record information about Jesus, the fact that he lived, the fact that he had a following, the fact that he was crucified for, for proclaiming that he was Lord. If these individuals were recorded, who are anti-Jesus, doesn't that seem to give even more credibility to the fact that the gospel writers are right in the fact that Jesus did live? Going on beyond there, we not only have the, the Jewish leaders of his day, but we have the most prominent Jewish historian of his time, Josephus. Josephus is a name that you'll often hear, and I don't know if Jews have popularized him more than Christians have, but we both often quote Josephus. Now, Josephus, again, the, the, the best historian, Jewish historian of that time, he speaks of Jesus in two different references. Now, one reference uh, is kind of questionable uh, about how well it's been preserved, but the other reference is very clear and, and, and very unquestionable. And here's the one thing that we get from Josephus. He clearly establishes not only did Jesus live, but he had a strong following amongst the Jews, and that because of his following, and because of his proclamation to be the Son of God, to be Lord of all, he was crucified. Some people try to argue, well, Jesus didn't declare himself to be God. As a Jew of that time, did he declare himself to be God? You read in, uh, in, in uh, John, the Gospel of John, what you find is that they picked up stones ready to stone him. Why? Because you, being a man, declare yourself to be who? Declare yourself to be who? God. So the Jews were very clear on who Jesus was declaring himself to be. So you have Josephus. Again, don't fall asleep. Stay with me. I stayed up all night for this. You also have Roman historians. Now, the greatest Roman historian of the first millennium was a man named Cornelius Tacitus. Now, I know you know how to spell it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Tacitus is spelled T-A-C-I-T-U-S. Now, why do I want you to know T-A-C-I-T-U-S? It's because I don't want you to do what your opponents often do, and that's just quote information without any sight or source. I want you to have detailed information. All of these things, check the fact, check the preacher, make sure I'm not lying to you, get on the internet, go to the library. I want you to see that this information is truly what it is. Cornelius Tacitus is the greatest Roman historian we wrote two volumes, long extensive volumes called the Annals and the Histories during that time. And he testifies to the life and the existence of Jesus Christ. He was a Roman. The Roman soldiers put him to, to death. He was not a fan of Jesus. He was not one of his followers. He didn't like John lay his head on his breast. He wasn't at communion with Jesus, wasn't at the Last Supper. He was an anti-Jesus figure, but he too attested the credibility of Jesus' life. There's also another man called Pliny the Younger. I don't know why they called him Younger. That was his name, I guess. But Pliny the Younger wrote about him. Suetonius is another man's name. And again, I know you know how to spell this, but let me give it to you anyway. S-U-E-T-O-N-I-U-S. S-U-E-T-O-N-I-U-S. Suetonius. None of these individuals were fans of Jesus or the Christian movement. Now, there's another very notable anti-Jesus person that we see in the Bible who also testified to Jesus in such a radical way that he left his culture, that he was willing to almost lose his life for defending this Jesus. What would cause somebody to do that unless they really had an encounter with him? And that is the Apostle Paul. We call the Apostle Paul a friend, but how many know he didn't start off as a friend? 
How many know that if you read the Bible, the Apostle Paul was as anti-Christian as a person could be, but yet he has such an encounter with the risen Lord that he radically changed his life and dedicated the rest of his life to proving to people not only did he live, but he was who he said he was, and he is the only way by which a man can be saved. How many can agree that it's clear that Jesus lived? So the next time somebody says to you that Jesus didn't exist, let them know that's cute, but it's just not true. Amen? All right, let's have a little bit more fun. Second objection that you'll often get about Jesus, and it's, uh, now these, these come from the deep folks, the, 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 the real learned people. They'll tell you that Jesus is just a copycat. You, anybody ever heard this before? Oh, Jesus is a copycat God. Oh, there was something that came before him, born on December 25th, crucified, born of a virgin. Oh, we done heard that story tens of times, hundreds of times. Jesus is just a copycat. Well, was he really? This group is what I call history gone wild. They got their hands on some bad his history, didn't verify it, and now they're walking around like they got a Ph.D., in history, or there's some history expert talking about Jesus was a copycat. Some of the more uh, common characters that Jesus is called, uh, charged with copying their life, I'm going to give you three individuals that Jesus is often charged with copying from, is uh, the, the Egyptian god Horus. You spell that H-O-R-U-S, H-O-R-U-S, Horus. He's an Egyptian god. Then you got the Greek god Dion Dionysus. Dionysus, D-I-O-N-Y-S-U-S. Somebody said, I didn't know I was going to class today. How many know you should always be ready to go to class when you come to church? Amen. See, we got to get over just wanting to be inspired. We got to get more of the inspiration. We got to get good information and good revelation. Amen. And then you got the uh, Roman mystic god named Mithras, which is M-I-T-H-R-A-S. M-I-T-H-R-A-S. These are three that oftentimes people will say, you know, that Jesus uh, 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 copied off of. And, and all you got to do is check your history. And they'll, they'll tell you, and you'll see Jesus copied off these individuals. Here, here's the thing I want to say to every one of you. Everybody pay attention to me. Don't ever be intimidated by somebody just because they're quoting some historical information with confidence and boldness. Just because somebody says something with boldness does not make it true. Just because somebody says something with boldness does not make it true. And, and one of the things that the world cannot deal with and that what scares just about everybody is a Christian, hear me now, that is well-trained, that knows church history and Christian history and is a critical thinker. You get a Christian that's well-informed, that knows history and is a critical thinker, and they will not be tricked concerning Jesus. And that's why you need to get in DBI. I might as well use this time for a commercial. How many know you need to be there, amen? Because we're being tricked. Christians are the most gullible people, hook, line, and sinker. It's so amazing. Somebody tells us something about our own book, about our own faith, and about our own Lord, and we look at them with big eyes and say, really? Nobody should be able to that easily uh, trick you and, and, and convince you that Jesus was not who he says he was, amen? Now, Here's your response to people who give you a copycat theory. There are three questions, critical questions, that you should ask anytime somebody gives you this copycat theory. The first critical question that you need to ask anytime somebody gives you a copycat theory, number one, the first thing you need to ask is, 
What is the source for your information? Write that down. What is the source for your information? When somebody tells you, well, Jesus is just a copycat from Horus, from Mithras, from Dionysus, ask them, what is the source? Where are you getting this information from? What's amazing to me is that most people don't have a clue where this false information came from. They heard it off a video or off of a movie or from somebody that they were getting high with. Because you know that's where most of that stuff originates. You you do know that, right? (laughs) Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen, amen. That's why you got to live holy. Amen. You know, one example of this is this uh, God Horus, this, this Egyptian God who's supposed to be just like Jesus or Jesus copied off of him. All the information that people have about him comes from this fictional novel called The Egyptian Book of the Dead, a fictional novel about a museum and a, and a, and a mummy in a museum. And this is a reliable historical document that all this has been created from. Those who do the research would not dare compare the historical reliability of their sources to the, to the highly scrutinized, highly proven, highly historically accurate word of God. So the first critical question is, what's the source of your information? Second critical question you need to ask them is this, when did the person supposedly live? When did the person supposedly live? Wouldn't it make sense that if Jesus was going to copy off of somebody, they had to live before he did? Isn't it pretty hard to copy off of somebody that comes after you? The question you need to ask is, does this person's life precede that of Jesus? And more importantly, does this person predate the Old Testament prophecies which proclaim Jesus? Because it's not enough for them just to even live before Jesus. Do they predate the prophecies that clearly speak to the Messiah? Prophecies like uh, Isaiah, which is written 700 years before him. Prophecies like Psalms, David writes a thousand years before Jesus. Did these uh, individuals really predate Jesus? One of the ones that's often quoted as being a Jesus copycat, a person that Jesus copycatted from, was his Mithras character that I mentioned earlier. Mithras, the earliest information we can find on Mithras was late second century, about 170 years after Jesus walked the earth. About 170 years after Jesus walked the earth. How could Jesus copycat off of somebody who came after he did? Amen? Let me give you the third question. Third or final question you need to ask somebody who says, Jesus is just a copycat. If anybody ever brings this up, third question you need to ask him is, was the person that he copycatted from a real historical individual or just a myth? Was he a real historical individual or just a myth? Now, I just went through great lengths to prove to you that Jesus is a real historical figure. He's not just fantasy. He's not just a fairy tale. How many know he's real? Somebody say, Jesus is real. Say it again. Jesus is real. Amen? But so often the people that he's compared to are just uh, mythological characters, and, and the fact is is that they may have one or two things in common, and people just go hog wild. One of the things that you often uh, see argued is that, well, this guy supposedly was born on December 25th, just like Jesus. Well, Christians, number one, don't argue that Jesus was born on December 25th. That's just a date that the church chose to celebrate his birthday, good or bad, like it or not. But nobody's arguing that Jesus was born on December 25th, so that's not even a credible argument. Somebody said, well, this person had 12 disciples. whoop de doo Amen. You might have 12 disciples. That don't make you Christ. It don't mean he copied off of you. Let's not go hog wild with a few similarities, amen? 
Nobody was born of a virgin like Jesus. Nobody lived a sinful life like Jesus. Nobody was crucified, laid down their lives, rose again for the sins of humanity. Don't get me wrong, other characters died, but you show me one who died and proclaimed that the reason why they were laying down their lives was for the sins of the world. That's what makes Jesus unique. He came to redeem lost men from their sins, and there is no one. Well, this person had communion with their disciples too. Good, they ate together, wonderful. But what does that have to do with Jesus and the resurrection and the salvation that he alone brings? Amen? Somebody like Dionysus, who I mentioned as a Greek character, is only totally myth, totally fantasy. Amen? Totally myth, totally fantasy, nothing historically credible, nothing uh, that proves that this was a real person at all. Amen? All a figment of the, the imagination. So Jesus is not a copycat. Why am I spending so much time on this? Am I trying to just send you through a course? No. Here's the re- reason why. It's because the first verse that we read today. It's because John tells us the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world, and I'm telling you, it's crept into the church. I'm not just going to sit here and preach, and we're going to have us a good time, and we're going to preach about the anointing and about God's, God's promotion and God's favor, and all, this, all the while, you're getting hit with all this fa- false information, and people are dropping like flies, wandering away from the faith. Do you know that the Bible says if, if it were not for the elect, if God didn't shorten days, even the elect would be deceived. We got to know the truth. It is a truth that sets us free. And you face this. You don't realize it, uh, many of us, but we face this on a regular basis. And I guarantee there's somebody on your job or in your neighborhood or even in your family that's been tricked by something like this. And the next time somebody brings it to you, say, let's sit down and let's talk about it. Or you may just want to drop a CD on them. All right. The third and final objection we'll deal with today and then we'll be done. Oh, oh, this is a good one. This is the one you'll probably hear more common. Jesus was just a moral teacher or simply a prophet. Anybody ever heard that? Jesus was just a moral teacher or simply a prophet. Uh, There's a lot of groups that, that, that try to teach this. Muslims being one, they'll try to teach it. Jesus was just a moral teacher or simply a prophet. Now, here's the reason why this is so dangerous. It's because not only is it the most common objection presented about Jesus, but it's the nicest one presented about Jesus. And it's so nice because, yes, I respect Jesus. You ask somebody, how you feel about it? Oh, I think he's a great guy. I think Jesus was a great moral teacher. He was a prophet. We highly regard him. And you'll think, well, well, they they believe like we do. Well, no, they don't. Farrakhan once said in in, in Detroit, he was at Fordville, he said if Jesus and Muhammad were on this platform, they would embrace and hug each other. You got to understand, there's a difference. No, the Bible says every knee shall bow. Was Jesus a moral teacher? Yes. Was he a prophet? Yes. But is he Lord of all? Yes. He is God, and besides him, there is no other. I'm telling you right now, he is Lord. He's the only sovereign, the only wise God. Thomas, after seeing the resurrected Lord, said, my Savior and my God. He's not just. Well, and here's what amazes me is there's there's some, again, the Muslim group that will say, uh, we believe in uh, Jesus as a prophet. And then you ask them, well, do you believe in the teachings of Jesus? Do you believe what Jesus proclaimed about himself? Because if you believe what Jesus proclaimed about himself, you cannot walk away with the fact that he was just a good moral teacher because he didn't even say that about himself. Now, now don't distort that. Don't, don't, don't think that you could just make up anything about Jesus. And, and why do people do this? Is because they want to be politically correct. They want everybody just to get along. But, but we got to be honest about what the man said about himself. What did the man say about himself? He did not just say that he was a moral teacher or just a prophet. Well, let's look at it. Look at John chapter 14. We're going to look at three quick passages. 
John chapter 14. Some people say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, okay. John chapter 14. Look at what it says. Jesus says unto him, now I love these three statements. If you really understand them, you'll see how much Jesus was being bold. Jesus says, I am the way. Now, in the Hebrew mind, when Jesus just said that, they know that the only way to God is, is, is directly to him, that there's no intermediary is what they're thinking. So when Jesus says, I am the way, he's declaring himself to be God. He goes on to say, I am the truth. In other words, I'm the ruler, I'm the standard by which truth can be measured. Wait a minute, Jesus, only God is the truth. Only God is the standard. He says, I know, I am the truth. He goes on to say, not only am I the way and I am the truth, he goes on to say, and I am the life. He tells Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Any man who believes in me, though he dies, he shall live. You have to understand, Jesus did not mince words. Somebody wonders, did the, the apostle, oh, the word Trinity or the thought that Jesus was God was originated by man in the early church at the Council of Nicaea. Oh, get real. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Did the apostles believe that he was God? I love what Paul writes here in chapter 2, verse number 6. Well, let's look at verse number 5. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5, look at what Paul says, just so we can know who he's talking about. Let this mind be in you that was also in who? Christ Jesus. I love this next verse. Who being in the very form of who? Who being in the very form of who? Thought it not robbery to be equal with who? Jesus is equal with who? Jesus in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I love verse number nine. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee, every knee, Mithras, Dionysus, Horus, Mohammed, Krishna, Buddha, every knee, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should buy of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and every tongue one day, every man, woman, boy, and girl, those who tried to deny him, those who tried to pretend as if he did not exist, one day, every tongue shall confess, this is the Lord of all lords. This is the King of all kings. This is the risen Savior. This is the Lamb of God. This is the only sovereign. This is the creator of all. This is that Jesus. Well, we've come to the end of our broadcast, but we hope this message has been a blessing to you. And we hope that this is a message that you will continue to remember as really a cornerstone of our ministry, because our mission is to equip men and women to live, share and defend their faith. 
If you fall into that category and Equip for Life has been able to bless and enrich your life over the years we've been in ministry on WLQV, we would like to invite you to our farewell listener appreciation reception on Wednesday, June 1st, held on the campus of Evangel Ministries. The event will take place at 6 p.m. And if you would like more information, please call 313-836-7732. That's 313-836-7732. Now until next time, remember to live, share, and defend your faith. Thank you for listening to the Equip for Life broadcast, which is sponsored by Evangel Ministries and faithful ministry partners like you. If you would like to learn more about our partnership opportunities or get a copy of any of these powerful messages, please go to our website at www.equipforlife.tv. We also invite you to visit us at Evangel for one of our dynamic Sunday worship services at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. You may contact our church office at 313-836-7732 for more details.